and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malice behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And he's talking about all of us who are born again. Since God chose you to be the holy person or the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members as of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And then this is, like I said, if I was going to give you a verse today and say, hey, let this be your memory verse for this next year. Let this be the, the, the lens at which you look at life each and every day as you go about to serve the Lord. It says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Think about that. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that, Lord, you would teach us in this, really, this short time that we have this morning, God, to apply, Lord, your word in our life, to understand really what it means here and, and how we can live lives that not only are pleasing to us, but Lord, more important that they're pleasing to you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness this year. Lord, you brought us through another, for many, it was a difficult year, but God, we sit here today and we just praise you for your goodness, for your graciousness, for your, God, just your mercy and your grace in our life. That God, you saw us through. And Lord, we rest in the fact that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have this full assurance of heart that no matter what goes on in the world, God, you're in control, and that, Lord, you'll see us through. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We rest and we put our hope in that today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It really makes no difference. Like I said, if the year's been good or it's been bad, indifferent, like I said, those that are outside the body of Christ, the, I just love when you see these interviews and people talk about how 
important this day is because it's the end of 2023 and 2024 is a brand new year and a brand new day. And then to wake up tomorrow from any hungover, it's just disappointing that nothing's changed because we're, we're in one sense, we're still the same. But then you talk to believers and like I said, and I asked you, you go, hey, how many have made resolutions and very few believers do? And you go, oh, is that because we don't care? We just don't have any desire, any passions? And you go, yeah, but there's something that we understand with God that it's no longer about a certain day. This church isn't just that it's Sunday or it's Wednesday and, or any day of the week. It's that we have a relationship with God and we can enjoy that every single moment, every single hour, every single day. Now, to the degree that we do, that's up to us as individual people. But I, I was reminded this morning, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh. When do they begin afresh? Every morning. You don't have to wait for New Year's. You want to start your day over? You can start over any time. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Guess what? You can go back to bed. And you'll probably get up and you'll get up on the wrong side of the bed again. It doesn't make any difference, but you can come to God and you go, God, I need your help. And guess what? He's there. He's there to help us. One of my favorite passages, I, I tell you all the time, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. On a personal note, Paul would say, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. If you're in Christ today, and if you're not in Christ today and you go, man, I was looking forward to one sense of getting out of this year. And you go, but I can tell you this, you'll wake up tomorrow with this, the same old you. Until we come to Christ, until we're born again, we're stuck. And that's when this imitation of God is out with the old, is in, in with the new, is to die to ourselves. We'll see this as we, we look at this text here. Verse 1 says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, it says, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Some of your translations, you has the word if, which can be misleading because Paul isn't asking a question there. He's not saying if, you know, you're in Christ, he's making a declaration. He's going, because you are in Christ Jesus, if is translated sense. I like that about the NLT. Back in Colossians chapter two and verse 12, he talks about that we identify with Christ, that Christ, that he lived, that he died, that he was buried and that he rose again. And so our lives, the same way we love again, to look at this and understand there, there's a spiritual meaning here that Paul wants to draw out. And it's simply this, is he wants us to say goodbye to the old way of life. That's one of the things good, you know, about today that you go, okay, it's marked, you know, in it's, what is it? 12, 31, 31, it's one, two, three, one, two, three. And you go, wow, it's, it's a day, you know, it's a special day. And you go, but every day in the life of the believer, because we have an opportunity to come to God and to recognize that in Christ Jesus, we died with him and that when he came out of that grave, that's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus because he lives and our lives are hidden in him. We live too. And what took place? We think about the cross. Like I said, the penalty of your sin and my sin was paid for at the cross. Something that was just as important that the power of sin was broken at the cross. It doesn't have control over you any longer. Now, does the devil lie to us and make us believe that? Absolutely. But this is what Paul is alluding to is this truth is, hey, is get away from that old way of life, that old way of thinking. And there's only one way that you can do it. And it's not because you go, oh, I think I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work harder. It's not going to happen. Paul made that very clear, didn't he? In Romans chapter seven, he said, the wishing to do good is present, right? He goes, I have a desire to do good. He goes, but what? But I don't have the ability to perform it. 
So he said, what? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory where? In Christ Jesus. It's not what you do. It's not what I do. It's what Christ has done for us. And as we learn to look to him and to lean on him, and this is what Paul is, is alluding to. He's saying, hey, at the end of this year, man, say goodbye to the old way of life. And so that's a great encouragement for me today to encourage you. Is there's things in all of our lives. There's not one person in this sanctuary that doesn't struggle with sin at some level, at some degree, some way, some shape, some form. Everybody deals with it, okay? So again, what do we do at that point is we, we recognize it, we identify it. If you're struggling with it, then you go, why am I struggling with it? You, and then again, is God gracious? And you go, yes, where sin abounds, what does the Bible say? Grace does what? All the more. And you go, and that's not so that sin would be a license or that we would become okay with it, but that we'd understand that because we've died with Christ, we've been buried with him and we're risen in Christ, that the power of sin has been broken in each of our lives, that we can live in 2024, guess what? A victorious life in Christ Jesus. And what I love is he helps us to identify how we can go about that and how we should do it. And so he says in verse two, he says, think about these things. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And this is where most of us go uh, awry right here. This is where we get off track. The Christian life is not about being earthbound in our outlook, you could say. We shouldn't look at things the way that they appear in the natural eye, but we should look at things with regard to their importance to God. And what I'm saying is we develop a biblical worldview. We start to look at the world in which we live through the Bible. And if you're not doing that, I can tell you that your view of life is going to be skewed because where are you getting your truth from? You can listen to podcasts all day long. You can study, read books and all kinds of things, but God's word is truth. It's the only unchanged. You go, it's the Bible, right? You go, what book is going to tell you the thoughts of God? It's, there's no other book out there. It's the Bible. And coming back to the Bible, I talked to, I was talking with a brother last week. He said, man, Pastor Mike, I hit my record this year. I read 152 books. I go, wow, that was good. And he goes, yeah, I hit my record. He goes, but he goes, you know what? I missed one record. What was that? And he goes, reading the Bible through. He goes, I wanted to read. He goes, but I got so caught up in all these other things. And he goes, my conviction going into 2024 is I want to read the Bible through about his goal was four times, read the Bible through four times in 2024 and not read everything else so much. And that was just something that the Holy Spirit convicted him of because he goes, because that's the basis of truth. If you want to know the truth, and Jesus said, if you'll study the truth, so this is the thing is we buy into the lies. Like I, I, I believe that the Bible's inerrant. I believe that, that in the original, it was spot on. But now is it practical for real life? Isn't there more? And, and let the Bible answer that for you. Everything that we have need of to live in this life is answered through the Bible. If we would just trust the Bible. And so here we are going, okay, what is Paul telling us? So he's, again, if I develop a, a biblical worldview, great. Here's the thing that the world says. They go, that person, they were, what is it, the expression? They were so heavenly minded they were of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that expression? They're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. But Paul's saying it's actually the opposite. As a believer, if you and I want to become earthly good, and I believe that all of us do, he said the key to that is what? Is become heavenly minded. Is begin to think the things of God. Think on the things of God. Let the thoughts of God 
dominate your thinking through the course of your day. Look at your life, make decisions based on the word of God. It's not rocket science. He's going, if you want to live a happy life, a joy-filled life, because joy, again, is not based on your circumstances, right? It's based on your relationship with Jesus. Happiness is based on your happenings. That goes up and that goes down. But your joy can remain constant through it all. A.T. Robertson, he writes this, The baptized life means that the Christian is seeking heaven and is thinking of heaven. His feet are upon the earth, but his head is with the stars. He is living like a citizen of heaven here on earth. The world doesn't understand the true believer because it doesn't understand Christ. And that's our fear because we want to be understood by other people. We go, but they didn't understand Jesus. And and if you're truly fall in love with Jesus and your head is in the stars in a sense and you're seeking the kingdom of God, are you going to be misunderstood by the world? Yes. Yeah. And that's the struggle that we have. But I love what C.S. Lewis once said. C.S. Lewis said, if you find in this world nothing completely satisfies you, then know this, you were created for another world. And you know what? We were. Have you found that to be true in your life as I have in mine? God has blessed me, my family, throughout our lives so many times over, but I have discovered in my own life, nothing in this life completely satisfies. Oh, in the moment, the Bible says that sin is what? It's pleasurable, right? For the moment, but what does it do? In In the end, it just leaves you empty. It leaves you just wanting more, right? Until your satisfaction is in God. I love what Augustine said, that inside every heart, is a God-shaped void that only God himself can fill. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, only God can fill it. But Paul might be putting it this way based on verse 2. Remember the old saying, garbage in, garbage what? Yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Philippians 4, 8 puts it like this. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, think on these things. What do you think about during the course of the day? What do you allow your, you got to taking control of your thoughts, taking those things captive. I put in big, bold notes here in my notes. Doctrine always comes before doing. God wants you to know him before he ever wants you to do anything else. What is the acrostic for Bible? What is that? Basic what? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Yeah, basic instructions. Verse 5 goes on in Colossians 3. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. What it's talking about there is what is idolatry is putting something ahead of God. And you could do that. We can do that even with children, can't we? We can have a baby dedication and go, God, I'm going to give my children to the Lord. No, they belong to me. You can worship your children. You can worship your spouse. You can worship your car. You ever seen somebody who has a, has a car and they wax it all the time? They, this thing, they're, they're talking. This, huh? You can go, man, this is like the golden calf. I think that Moses came down off Mount Sinai and saw the children of Israel. We can put anything in front of God, things that we think are really good, and but yet... So he says, don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater. And like I've told you, there is idolatry is just as rampant, if not more so today than it ever was in the Old Testament. Okay. And says, and worshiping the things of this world. And so we found in verse three, we were told that we died and we're told to put to death our members, which are 
on this earth. So the, these two verses, they clearly illustrate for us there's a difference between the believer's standing, you could say, and the believer's current state. His standing is that he's died, she's died. The current state is that there's sin all around us, and so what do we have to do? we got to fight a battle, right? We what? We remind ourselves, we reckon ourselves dead to sin, and we do that by what? The temptations that come in this life. You go, oh, do I do it? It's okay once. I think I can handle it. You ever found that with a temptation? Oh, I can handle it. And then what happens? What's that old expression? Toy with sin, and sin will end up what? Toying with you. You found that to be true in your life? I have in mine. And so just being reminded of this, that we're to put those things to death. Our standing with Christ is secure because Jesus has secured that. Amen? For you've been saved. What did Paul say in the book of Ephesians? For you've been saved by God's grace through faith. Amen? Thank God it's not of works which any man can boast. But there is a work that we have to continually do and we fight through. And again, and that's in our current state, <laughs> that current state that we are in ourselves. And so, again, I love this, and I put this in my notes. Jesus conquered death by his resurrection, and you and I conquer sin by experiencing the resurrected life. Yeah, resurrected life. And how do we experience the resurrected life? By walking with him, by walking in the Word, looking at the Word of God, applying the Word of God, not just going, Lord, I heard what the Word said, but you'd be here today. If, this was, if you took this as, the, as what you needed to do today, you went, Someone said, you have to teach what you heard every Sunday to someone else during the course of the week. God came to you and he said, you have to teach this. I command you to teach the lesson that Pastor Mike is teaching you, teach it to somebody else this week. You go, if you really approach it that way, would you listen differently? Yeah. And you go, but you have that responsibility before God. You're to listen intently. You're to take it and not just be what, as James said, and, and people argue this all the time. James said, don't be just merely what? A hearer of the word, but what? Be a doer of the word. Yeah, you go, heck, many of us come to church, we don't even have a Bible with us. We go, I just listen. You go, not, you're going to stand before God just like I'm going to stand before God. We can make all the excuses that we want. You go, but somebody who's really going, hey, I'm studying my Bible just like the Berean. We go, I'm going to listen to what you're saying. I'm going to take it to heart and I'm going to go home and I'm going to study it. I'm going to check it and watch what God would do in and through my life. I love the, the words there, seek, in, in some of our translations, seek and set. Seek the things that are up above. Those are imperatives. Like I said, those are commands. They're not invitations. Hey, seek God. He's, no, that's a command. Uh, we just read that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? To, he commanded the fathers to teach these things to their children, that they would seek God and they would set God constantly before them. That, that's not a option. That, that is a command from God himself. The same God, the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament here. And again, I love that I pulled this from one of the things I was reading. He said, here we should also notice the difference between the law and grace. God does not say, if you live a life of freedom from sin, then I will give you a position of death with Christ. He said, that would be the law. Our position would depend on our own efforts, and needless to say, no one would ever attain that position. Instead of that, God says, I freely give to all who believe on the Lord Jesus a position of favor in my sight. Now, go out and live a life that is consistent with such a high calling. That is grace. 
See, it's like the story of, we all have two natures, right? Have you ever heard that? It's like having two dogs. So you've got a, we've got a good dog and a bad dog, an evil dog and, and, and a pure dog. And you go, and you only have enough food to feed one of them. And you have to decide which dog am I going to feed? You can't feed them both. If you feed both, they're both going to die. So you've got to make a decision, the old nature and the new nature, which one are you going to feed? And that's what Paul is admonishing us. He's going, guys, you're not going to make it with one foot in Jesus and one foot in the world. And of all the things I think about today going into 2024, church, if that's where you're at today, man, you're not going to make it. You're going to starve yourself to death. Is make a decision for Christ to be the best decision that you'll ever make in your life is feed your spirit, feed your soul, feed your life on the things of Christ. Look at in verse seven there, he says, you used to do these things. This is what he's reminding us. He didn't remember he says, if you're in Christ, he's not, that's not so much a question. It's since you're in Christ, it's a declaration. And so you look at verse seven, he says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Galatians 5.25 puts it like this, says, since we are living by the spirit, let us also follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so Paul is, you could say he's cataloging the sins that are here, and it's not an exhaustive list, but he goes from, from motives, you could say now, to acts. Bitterness always starts in the human heart, and then it manifests itself in various ways. Verse 9 says, don't lie to each other, for you've been stripped off of your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Every day we're tempted to distort the truth. Every day of our lives. You know, Verse 10, he goes on, he says, but put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You know, the new man, the new you that's in Christ should be growing every day more and more in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We should never be satisfied, right? Should, hey, I, I'm, I'm like Jesus enough, right? And, and the things that we've attained, we should always, as Paul said, press on, press on to what? to know the Lord, press on to the high call of God that's in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the example that we're following of the rule of our lives. There, there's coming a day when you and I, as believers, we're going to stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, and we're going to give an account of our life. And when you stand before him, he's not going to look at you and say, you are better than other people. When you and I stand before Jesus, who's the measuring stick? Jesus is. Yeah. I think there's a lot of striving still left to do in our lives. Amen. There's a lot more of me and you to become like Christ. And that's what he's saying, to, to strive, to keep seeking that. As one writer puts it, he says, the image of God is not seen in the shape of our bodies, but in the beauty of a renewed mind and heart, holiness and love, humility, meekness, kindness, and forgiveness. These make up the divine character. And that's what Paul would say. Verse 12, he says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and peace. Again, so Paul is just laying out, here's practical ways that we can walk in the things that God has for us in our everyday lives. You think about what is he telling us here? He describes these graces, tender mercies speaks of a heart of compassion. Kindness speaks of an unselfish spirit of doing for others. It's an attitude of affection or goodwill. Humility means lowliness, the, the willingness to be humbled and esteem others better than ourselves. And meekness doesn't speak of weakness. It means power under constraint. 
Meekness is the strength that we have to deny ourselves and to prefer others better than ourselves. Long-suffering, something that's definitely needed in our lives, speaks of patience under uh, provocation and the long endurance of offense. It combines, you could say, joy and and a kind attitude towards others. Verse 13 goes on, it says, make allowance for each other's faults. This is where it gets tough. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Doesn't mean that they're not wrong. It just means that we don't hold it against them. He says, remember, why? It's because the Lord forgave you. And so you must. He didn't say you should. You might. He says you must forgive others. As one writer put it, bearing with one another describes the patience we should have with the failings and the odd ways. That's a polite way of saying it, of our brethren. The failings and the odd ways of our brethren. It is inevitable that we will find out their failures. Have you found that to be true? The longer you hang around somebody, what do you discover? The more their faults, right? And again, we have great opportunity then to forgive. Forgiving one another, again, that has a complaint against another. What is that that saying? That means that it's the other person's fault. And we'll say, but they didn't ask for forgiveness. Doesn't say that they did. I love that expression that says, we're never more like Jesus than what? When we forgive. And we're never more like the devil when we don't. Because you talk to believers, they go, oh, I, I'm not going to forgive them. And you go, oh, you're, just understand what you're saying. You go, I'm going to be like the devil. I don't think anybody would say that. You go, but everybody, and this is the th- where it becomes an acceptable sin, is we go, see, all, everybody struggles with it, right? Therefore, it's not too bad. And you go, wait, just remember, you're not standing before me. I'm not standing before you. We're all going to stand before Jesus. And the beauty of it is, did he forgive you? Has he forgiven me? And you go, yeah. You go, and then he says, because I forgave you, because your life is identified with mine, you've died to yourself, and you've risen to this new life that's in Christ. Yeah, you can say all day long, you don't have the strength in yourself, and you don't. But God's made a promise. He says, I, as Paul made mention, he says, I can do what? All things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. Yeah. Paul said he prayed three times that God would take something from his life. And he said, Paul, I just want you to understand something. Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, you know what? Then I would rather boast in my weakness that the power of God would rest upon me for when I'm weak, I'm strong. Yeah, that we'd understand that everything that you and I have need of going into 2024, God has provided. That we wouldn't forget that. The word forbearance in some of your translations suggests are not taking offense, but forgiveness means not holding on to it. Our motivation for forgiveness, it's real simple. It's one verse. Even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. And then he's verse 14, he says, Above all, then clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, These things remain, these three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love binds it all together. And that's what he's telling us there. And then verse 15, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. As one author put it, he said, the peace of God should act as the umpire in our hearts. If there's anything that in 2024, I want you to think this through as we just prepare to close here. If there's anything in doubt that you're 
asking yourself, man, should I do this? Should I not do it? And hopefully you are confronted with things like that in your life as you pray and you're thinking about your life is we ask ourselves, does it make for peace? In this decision, does it make for peace? Would I have peace in my heart if I did this? If I go ahead and do this, will I have peace in my heart? And again, the Holy Spirit must consider a thankful spirit to be very important as you read this. It's not just important in a person's spiritual life, but it's also important in our physical life as well. Even doctors have proven what the scriptures have always taught, that a cheerful and thankful attitude is very beneficial in our body, in our mind, that you think that worry and depression and complaining, they're definitely harmful to one's health. So I'd ask you the question I asked myself as I was studying this week, do you want to live a happier, healthier, richer life in 2024? I think the answer is for all of us is yes. In a word, two words, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. And then watch what God can do in the heart of somebody who's thankful. That's what verse 16 tells us. Let the message about Christ in all its richness, just do what you're doing. You're here today. Get in the Word. Bring your Bible. Read your Bible. Study your Bible. Get to know Jesus better in 2024. And I can tell you, things will change dramatically because your focus will not be the things on this earth, but your focus will begin to turn towards heaven. And the beauty of heaven, what do we have? What's the reminder there? Set your affections on the things up above, not the things of this earth. Not where thieves can break in and steal, not where you know moths where rust can destroy. It's safe there with God. We don't know all the things that are going to happen in, in this world in 2024, but I can tell you all the good things of heaven are safely there. They, they are safely there. And that in one sense, you can't take things with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's the beauty of store up your treasures in heaven. And again, that's a whole different mindset for many of us here. So he says, let this message about Christ and all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And again, so much, so much that we could add to that. In this last verse, like I said, I think about, again, Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, he, he basically said the same thing. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. What a great reminder. Think about the things that we're allowing in. We have the ear gate, we have the eye gate, we have the mouth gate. And to watch those gates in 2024. And again, as we do, man, change takes place. Verse 17, we close with this. And again, I, I, I just so encourage you that this could be a memory verse for us as, as a church. And we think about whether it's a litmus test or it's just something that we hold out as a, as a, a lens and how we look at our life this year. We need reminders all the time. What a great reminder this is. And whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. That means every wonderful situation that you face, every difficult circumstance that you face, everything in it that you go, God, this is an opportunity for you 
to reveal yourself, not just to me, but actually through me, that we would be representatives of Jesus Christ and giving thanks for everything that we would go through. Do you have much to be thankful for this year? I do. Psalm 71, 23 puts it like this, says, I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. I can't think of a greater blessing in my life and your life is the fact that because of God's love for us, he's ransomed you. If your life is in Christ today, your sins are forgiven, right? We, I remind you of this Christmas that your past is forgiven, your present can be managed and your future can be secure in Christ Jesus. And what a great reminder as we head into a new year. We don't know, like I said, all the things that are gonna go on in the world, but we know this, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so keep holding on to him, keep trusting him, and watch what God can do in and through you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you. Uh, God, I think, like I said, verses that just speak to me as I study them in your word and just reminded that whatever you do or say, do as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And Lord, as we close out, 2023, we do want to say thank you for all the things, the good times, the, the hard times, uh, Lord, through all of it. Uh, God, you have showed yourself strong. You've been faithful. We can think back. We've worried about many things and become fearful of many things. And every morning, your mercies were new. You were there. That God, you were prodding us. Uh, Lord, you were inviting us to cast all of our cares upon you because you care about us. Lord, your desire isn't just that we would come to you in our failures, but that, God, we would come to you, Lord, and allow you to lead and to guide us. And we think about, as we see in Proverbs, that lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Jesus, and he will direct your path. And Lord, as we study your word and we, we recognize that it's, it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, God, we dedicate ourselves, even this upcoming year, uh, Lord, to be in your word, to be people of your word, to be people of prayer, Lord, to seek to know you and to make you known in the world, that, God, we would truly live as representatives for Christ. And that, Lord, of all the things that people might know us for in 2024, that, God, they would recognize that we are thankful to God in everything. We give you the praise and the glory. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. You are an awesome God, and we love you so much, and we look forward to what you have in store for us this next year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.